But that's why it's so important that you know every aspect of the product you want manufactured, because if you don't, it can be a very expensive mistake. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, we have Jacqueline Rogers. Jacqueline is the founder of Green Top Gifts. Green Top Gifts started as an idea for her son and turned into a company bringing diverse products that reflect families for their own celebrations and holiday moments. Green Top Gifts has been featured in NBC News, Essence, People, and Oh, the Oprah Magazine. Jacqueline is also a recipient of of the 2020 Visa IFW Black Women-Owned Business Grant, plus the 2020 wildcard winner in the Stella Labs Women's Fast Pitch Southeast Regional Competition, plus a participant in the 2020 Ad Astra Get to Even Founder Bootcamp. Jacqueline has over 14 years of consumer packaged goods experience at Nestle and Mars Wrigley. And from this experience, as you'll hear in today's episode, she has keen knowledge on how to take an idea from concept to actual product, which has proven invaluable in the early stages of Green Top Gifts. I really love what Jacqueline had to share about finding the right fulfillment center, about deciding when it was time to leave, and how she has grown Green Top Gifts now that it's no longer her side hustle. So let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Now, give us a peek into your life. Who are you and what was your first experience with the side hustle? I'm Jacqueline Rogers. I am the founder of Green Top Gifts. I am a wife. I am a mother and I am a lover of all things celebration. Uh, And I would say what kind of got me into entrepreneurship, I would definitely say is my father. Um, He was an entrepreneur and growing up, he would let me tag along or kind of drag me along to any meeting, court meeting he had for his real estate or if he was going to the bank, he let me go with him. And I really got to see entrepreneurship up close and personal at a very young age. And I would say that's kind of what gave me the bug. What an awesome experience. Not many of us get to see firsthand what it's like for someone to own their own business. Now, as you grew up, you what kind of career field did you gravitate towards, even though you had that early bug? Growing up right after college, I kind of wanted to go back and work for my dad. And then I realized I really wanted to get that corporate experience. So my background has been in consumer packaged goods for like the past 14 years. I worked for Nestle and Mars Wrigley and I worked in sales and I sold confection to some of your favorite retailers and stores. So I sold candy, as my friends would say. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of my initial career path. And I stayed in that sales marketing path for the past 13 years. And I loved it. What was it like selling candy? You know, what did you learn from that experience that you kind of applied to what you do today? 
Oh, it's great. I love selling candy. It's a fun sale. No one goes into your meeting like, oh, what do you have today? Like, it's <laughs> you know, it's candy. They're like, oh, what do you have new? Everybody wants to taste it. They want to see it. It's fun to talk about. Um, you know, it's a reward. So people love it. So um, for me, it was a fun sale. And I learned so much because that experience going in and selling in new innovation really helped me with my own business so much. That's so interesting. I always am so impressed by CPG, consumer packaged goods folks, because when you have an established brand, it's almost like, what do you create each and every year? Like, are you really coming out with new products? But the fact that you can go into a meeting and people are exciting to know what this established brand is coming out with next, that's awesome. Was that a lot of pressure though, to reinvent something each and every year that has existed for decades and decades? Well, I worked on the sell side. So, you know, the marketing side and innovation, the, the creators of the candy, they probably had it a little harder. But for me, I think that was a challenge to get them to say, okay, I don't want to take something off the shelf, but I want to add something to it with your product. Mm-hmm. And so it really made you have to come up with innovative ways to get them engaged about it and really know your customer and know about their kids or know about, you know, what things they like, so how you could draw them in. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been um, very helpful for me with Green Top for sure. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine because as a salesperson now, I I imagine that you have a relationship with the people you're selling with or you've been to these companies before. And so as you go in and you are pitching them again, how do you think through making them excited again for, you know, the new thing that you're bringing in? Totally. And then you have to think about it. And this is kind of for anybody who's starting or launching a business, you're constantly you're going into a meeting with somebody that's probably had 20 meetings in the same day, right? So how do you go in during your meeting and have excitement around your product and get them to like, okay, let me actually listen and not play with my phone or check my emails or do a meeting. So it's, it's a it's a dog and pony show. It's like lots of glitter, confetti. You want to bring all that fun stuff out to keep them engaged. And so um, it, it requires creativity for sure. Okay. Speaking of creativity, now, how did Green Top Gifts come about? Yeah, so it's really because of my son. I have uh, two kids, but at the time when I launched the brand, I only had my son. He's six now, but he was about to turn two. And in 2015, I started looking for wrapping paper in the stores that had a black Santa Claus on it because growing up, I can remember my mom. I had these fond memories of my mom. She loved celebrations. We had Christmas trees in every corner of the house. You know, for Halloween, she would hang bats and spiders, rubber bats and spiders in the kitchen and on the ceiling. So I have all these great memories of holidays and celebrations. And my mom was super intentional about making sure that she had Black Santa Clauses and Black Angels in this Black nativity scene that I remember as a child. And I wanted that for my son, right? And so I started looking for those items that I quickly realized they didn't exist anymore. Like you could find, you know, the black angels or the, like the um, ceramic Santas, but you couldn't find wrapping paper anymore. And at the time it just didn't exist. And so any excuse for a holiday to celebrate, party, decorate, I'm there. It's, that's my ministry, right? So I wanted that opportunity for my son. And that's really was what started Green Top Gives. Ooh, you know, as a new mom of a son, a baby boy, my husband and I were just talking about this, how you really don't realize how not seeing your face in everything from storybooks, wrapping paper, all those default things that you just start to see the world as like, this is the default. This is what everything looks like. 
how insidious it can be for, to gradually get that messaging, you know, that this is the norm. Yes. And now as parents, it's one thing as we're adults and we're like, oh, that's messed up. But we've survived, we've grown up right. and, we're, and we're good. But now that you have this child, you're like, I want to create a better world for him. I want him to see himself and feel that, you know, it should be normal to see himself in all these different places. So yes, we completely relate to that. Now, once you had this idea, it started out as a side hustle, right? So what were your first steps to get started? So the first steps I would say there were, it was trying to figure out if there was a need outside of just me, right? Like I was like, I knew I wanted this, but it was do other moms and dads want this product? And so I did a lot of market research, had some conference calls with friends, sent out surveys to really find out what items were people looking for? What did they want? What could they not find? What's the one thing they wish they could have for their child or their, you know, their child? And that kind of just led to the conversation. And then I started looking into the data and looking at the market. And wrapping paper is an $8.5 billion industry, right? What? Yes. <laughs> in, in the U.S., we spend a lot on wrapping paper. And people don't think of it. So it's a throwaway. It's something quick. But there's a huge market. And my husband has a background in finance. So, you know, I'm always coming up with some kooky idea. And he was like, okay, you're wrapping paper. And then when I went back to him. <laughs> like, not again. <laughs> you know, what, what's the new thing? Because at the time it was, I'm going to go to Kinko's. I'll get on Photoshop. I'll design something. I'll get something printed. And I can wrap my son's presents with it. And that was the beginning and the end of it. And then as I started to research, it was like, oh, no, other people want this. Oh, there's a whole... There's a billion dollar industry. Oh, there's a void. There's nothing like it in retail now. And so that kind of just became like, that was the, okay, keep going. It pushed me forward to start the idea for sure. Um, but the, the in the very beginning, you asked about the, the early stages. It was me. It was me up at night. I worked all day. Um, I worked in sales. I traveled a ton, sometimes two to three times a month. Um, for maybe one or two nights overnights. And so I'd be traveling, I'd come home, you know, or I'd be home working, you know, cook dinner, pick up my son, my husband's there, we get the baby down, we have some time to ourselves. And then I would work until one or two o'clock at night. And I would be working on the website, marketing photos, testing, shipping, talking to manufacturers. So that's kind of how it went every day until we launched. And it was, my husband would like tap me, like, please close the computer and go to bed. <laughs> yes, we're going through that now when it comes to our side hustles, like, and then, you know, the baby wakes up. So it's like, what is sleep? <laughs> yes, what is sleep? It comes back later. <laughs> thank God. Stay um, encouraged. Thank you. <laughs> Did you have any trouble finding an actual manufacturer for this part? Was, you know, what was that learning curve like? So for me, there was definitely a learning curve. Like I, my background is in CPG sales. Like I do not know about manufacturing paper. So for me, I love stationery. I consider myself, you know, a stationery snob. I love to send cards and I love to wrap presents and, and do all of those things. I love a good stationery store and gift store. So I knew the things that I wanted, but how to talk to a manufacturer intelligently about them, I didn't know. So I really, I wouldn't go online. I Googled, I watched videos on how wrapping paper was made so that when when I did call the manufacturers, I knew enough about the industry and to speak and understand the terms technically to have an, a conversation with them and could talk about what I wanted for my product. And I think that's a really important step. I love that you watch videos of how it was made. That is so important. You know, that is a really good tip. And for me and other people who are trying to develop something, how do you break through language barriers? So that's something, you know, that's like a, a personal thing that I'm wondering now. It's like, if I'm going to reach out to a manufacturer, let's say in China, um, 
how the hell? <laughs> right. You know, do I, do I go through some, you know, some language barrier that may exist? I think the most important part is like, okay, say you're going to be selling sneakers. Yep. Maybe that's a complex, a t-shirts, right? right? People sell a lot of t-shirts. You need to know like, okay, what is the material that I'm getting? Do I want a vinyl? Do I want an ink? Do I want... You want to know everything about it because especially when you're working with someone overseas, they expect you to know everything. They, and if you don't know it, it's a thousand million dollar mistake, right? Like there's there's no room for error because you didn't know the weight of the product or you didn't know the thread count or the material or where you wanted the tag or the ink or the Pantone colors. So when you're getting something manufactured, it's so important to know all of the different pieces or try to understand them or to research it and look at the product and look at different tags and read up on it. Because if you don't, you can invest in a very big mistake. And I've got some really ugly coffee mugs in my garage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. I I, I can relate to that as well. Not with coffee mugs, but you know, that's a different story. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So were those first, um, the uh, prototypes that they sent over, how how was that going through the first versions of the wrapping paper? So with the wrapping paper, I found the manufacturer and we'd sign, I, I found out what I wanted. I knew the cost. And I told my husband, I was like, okay, can you move your car out of the garage? Because if we're going to do this, four pallets of paper are going to be delivered to our house. And he was like, what? <laughs> and so at that and point, how big is a pallet? Like a pallet is it's pretty massive. You know, when you go in Sam's and Costco's and they have like the toilet paper on that that wooden yes. block, that's yes. a pallet, right? <laughs> For size purposes, to give people a quick idea. Mm-hmm. So these are small, like it took up half of our garage. We could still park like one car in there. Um, but for me, it was, you know, okay, I'm ready to make this jump. We're going to do this. And it was calling, understanding, picking a manufacturer, and then, okay, they're going to send it. It's going to be delivered. And I didn't get to see my actual product until after it was manufactured. Because a lot of times the proof of the test, the sample that they give you is not always the exact. And with wrapping paper, the proof isn't even on the same weight of paper that it is when you get it. So for me, when I got it, it was perfect, but it was what I wanted. But I was really holding my breath until the 18-wheeler unloaded the pallets and I ripped into them. And that's when you could really assess. Yes, and it was right. (laughs) But that's why it's so important that you know every aspect of the product you want manufactured because if you don't, it can be a very expensive mistake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you mentioned investment. So you mentioned the word investment and I'm curious, what did it require financially and how did you make that initial investments? So we self-funded from the start. So um, getting the, the, my husband and I, you know, he was interested in in doing it with me and was like, okay, so I would say we kind of co-founded. And then from now it's kind of, it's kind of more me working on it on my own. And he, he jumps in and assists because he still works full time. So um, we self-funded. Then we also had a few friends around year two and three, we were trying to do some more marketing efforts and we wanted to expand it to other product that we had asked for friends, would they be interested in investing us kind of as a friends and family round? Um, But that's really like three to four people that we took on as investors. So, you know, it's, it's, paying for inventory. It is buying the website. It's paying for legal to get the the company set up and your LLC. It's um, photos and photo shoots and marketing, PR if you decide to bring that on, someone to handle your taxes and your sales and revenue. So if you're going to do it like legit, legit, it's expensive. It's not just, oh, I bought a domain and I have, I popped up on a Shopify site for what, $49 a month. Yeah. So what, so 
that initial investment, it sounds like it was like a five figure, like kind of like all in or did you do it gradually? I would say it was all in. Yeah, definitely all in because we had to pay for everything up front to start the company, really. So, yeah. Now, what after you received the pallets, how soon did you start to put these uh, put up your shop, put them on sale? And what were what was that initial process like? Uh, We got the pallets late September. We launched October the 10th. And we had done some teasing on social media and like sent out a newsletter and the site was up, but it was like coming soon. Um, And then the first day that we launched, it was we sent out an email to maybe like 100 people that we knew that were friends and family and people that we thought might be interested in it and asked them to share. And then we had a video um, that we created. And that kind of told our story that we posted on social media. And I would say that video, it it, it did some, some decent numbers. And that's kind of really what I think people saw the video, connected with the story of a mom and a dad looking for this for their son and the need for diversity and representation. And then that drove like the traffic to the site. So we fulfilled orders in the garage until November. And then after that, it was like, oh, I think we need a fulfillment company. <laughs> <laughs> did you do any additional marketing um, besides that teasing to your friends, that video, um, who handled the social media, for example, and what was your approach to consistent marketing to keep that momentum up? Um, I did all of that. Um, we had a friend that I worked with that did our PR at the time, a very close friend, actually my sorority sister. And so she helped us with the PR and then everything else was that video, sharing it and posting it in, in groups and, and with our friends and sending out emails. We weren't even doing Facebook ads really the first year. I think we did a few, but it wasn't a ton of Facebook ads until like December. And that was pretty much it. So I was pretty much doing it all. And then how was that first season of sales? So a lot of people lose money, obviously, in their first year. You mentioned all the expenses that you had to go in, the all-in process of investing in this. How did you do? We did well. Our first year, we did around $80,000 worth of revenue. And that was for two months of really the first two months. And it was a side business for us. So I was pleased with that. I, I was uh, <laughs> well, well, it's a, so were you in the red, in the black? Like what? what, what? No, we were definitely in the black for the so first profit. year. Okay. Yeah, we were profit. Um, and then, so we were pretty pleased with it. It was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, and then we hired... We were shipping our own products out of the garage until like maybe the second week of November. And I was like, I I can't handle Black (laughs) Friday. Like, there's no way in the world. Yeah, that sounds terrifying from the garage. Listen, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It was terrifying. My mom would come over and watch my son. My aunt would come over and help pack back boxes. And then when my husband came off, he would take over and he and I would pack boxes. And so we were pretty much like, okay, it's one o'clock. We got to go to sleep. Because he had, we both had work the next day. Um, and so we did that, you know, for, for a while. And then we got a fulfillment company and I was happy to pack that stuff up and drop it off so they could pack it up and I could focus on other aspects of the business besides just packing the boxes. What's the process of finding a fulfillment company? Oh, that is a book that I can write for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, I need this book. <laughs> yes. So there's, you know, there's t- t- plenty of 3PL companies that do pick, pack, and shipping for people. Um, it's really about, I say, from the horror that we had, we've gone, we're on our fourth company. The first one was great. And then we had some challenges and we're very happy where we are now. Um, but 
it's about, I say the first thing is you want it, the fulfillment company if you can in your city. So you can go and actually see and check in. And if you need to grab inventory, you can quickly grab it and pick it up. I think when you have it out of state, it causes extra hiccups. Um, and you should definitely go and see the location if you're going to do it out of state before you sign a contract. Um, understanding what the supplies are and the cost. Um, understanding, do they have the necessary people in place to handle a holiday load? Um, and really understanding the contract you sign and what all they are agreeing to and what they can and cannot, you know, honor for you. So I could do a whole hour with you about fulfillment. Wow. <laughs> Lots of horror stories with fulfillment, but I'm on the other side of that mountain now. <laughs> Did you say you're on your fourth? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. And because for us, we're a seasonal business. So I don't have a window of, oh, we didn't make the date that you needed it for. If it's not there by what this year, I think December the 18th, 17th, then you're going to miss the cutoff before Christmas. And then you're angry because you bought a product that you needed that was seasonal. So yeah. um, customer they have to be right. Yeah. It has to be right. And customer service is extremely important to me working in sales. Like I want, when I order something, I want it there. And now Amazon has everybody feeling like, you know, if I don't have it in two days, then what are you even doing? Right. What are you even doing? <laughs> what are you even what, exactly. Why are you even selling stuff online? So we're all spoiled because of Amazon. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life and all of the circumstances that come with it. These lessons can help you stay inspired and express yourself, not to mention keep your business organized and thriving until you're able to hire more help. And now Skillshare is offering two weeks free for Side Hustle Pro listeners. I recently took a new Skillshare class called Storytelling for Leaders, How to Craft Stories That Matter. And I just found it really helpful as I think about how I want to improve my skills as a storyteller and enhance the stories I bring you on this podcast every week. What I love about Skillshare is that it offers membership with meaning. You can really get a lot of value from these classes with so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash hustle the first 1000 people to use the skillshare.com slash hustle link will get a free trial of skillshare premium membership so go ahead and again that's skillshare.com slash hustle but thank you for sharing that because i think Fulfillment is one of those things that terrifies us, you know, side hustlers, entrepreneurs, because we we all hit a wall where we know we need to outsource this. We cannot keep selling this from our bedroom. We got inventory out the wazoo in our houses, but it's just like, who's going to do it? How do we find it? And it's one of those things where we, we really have to go through it, but knowing that we can, we should just focus locally to start or at least be able to go there and really assess what's going on. Because I think the fear is who is going to care about your product as much as you. They're going to take your money and then they're going to do what they need to do. But they're not really in there with that same concern for your customer. So when you you found the fourth one, was it a matter of you sat down with the owner and you really interviewed them to make sure that they care about every single business who they are the fulfillment center for? 
Yes. And the company that we have now worked at the first company we had that we really liked, but we left them for greener pastures. You know, somebody tells you, oh, I can do this, this and this for you. And so when we left, it, they couldn't do what they told us they were going to do for us, which was they were going to make some apparel for us and they couldn't and they couldn't meet the demand that we needed. Um, and then they were outsourcing some of their own fulfillment and people were not getting their product correctly. But the company that we have now is a relationship that I've had with the person since 2016. Um, and I really, you know, I think it's up front. You ask like, okay, can you meet this demand? How many other customers do you have? Do you have a relationship with the carriers, the local carriers here? Do you know the postmaster? Like, you know, there are a lot of things that these companies should have in place um, internally. Do they have offer customer service for your customers? Because the whole point of fulfillment is alleviating that stress that you can focus on other aspects of your business, right? Yes. And us, agreeing to fulfillment is I want someone else to handle all of those issues and situations so that I can focus and move on to something else. And I think that's, that's the part, like you said, you know, your business is your baby. You're giving all of that aspect to someone else and asking them to be responsible for it and do a good job. And so you really have to ask a lot of questions and set up maybe more than one meeting and go in and tour the facility to really make sure they're a good fit for you. Yes. And so they handle your fulfillment center handles your customer service as well. Yes. Okay. I love that. So now I want to know, as you scale and grow, you mentioned apparel, how has Green Top Gifts evolved as far as the products that you offer? We've definitely evolved and expanded into a ton of new items. So when we first started the company, we only had two SKUs and that was just uh, like the close-up shot of Clarence Claus' face with a white paper and then like a full body image of him. So now we've expanded into six different styles of wrapping paper. We're going to launch a new one in the next few weeks. Um, we also have um, apparel, which started off as a marketing effort. We were going to HBCU homecomings. My husband and I are both HBCU grads. And so we had these shirts made for people to walk around passing out buttons and pins, advertising our company. And people were like, oh, but I want a shirt. And I was like, no, 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 the shirts are not for sale. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's kind of what launched apparel for us. Um, and then people were like, oh, well, I want a shirt for my baby too. And I was like, oh, well, like, I guess we're going to do kids shirts now. Um, and now we've got throws and home decor and ornaments and coffee mugs. And um, I'm just pumping out ideas and trying to meet the, meet the needs and requests of our customers. All of them, I can't quite. And we've got a really big one we're excited about. I can't quite talk about yet. It's coming later on this month. Um, so we're excited. Now, when did you realize that this is a business that you wanted to take beyond the side hustle and quit your job and do this full time? I would say that's a great question. I was always afraid to make the jump. My husband was like, you should you should quit and like work on this full time. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm still doing, you know, I'm, I'm double dutching. I said, like, I double dutch for four years. Like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'll do it on the side. And it was working pretty well, but I knew I wasn't fully committed to it. Um, but I, I knew that it was viable when we started to get press and features and people were picking up and parents were talking about it and talking about the need for representation and how important diversity was. And not just black and brown kids, you know, there are other, all children need to see diversity, right? And there were, you know, white parents that would say, I bought this because I think it's important for my child. They're starting to ask about skin tones and I want them to see a different Santa this year and understand that yes. diversity comes in all shapes and colors. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that really is what made me be like, oh, other people want this besides just me and we started to pick up the traction so definitely then okay 
Let's talk about that for a second. That's such a good point that you made. Like, not just Black and brown kids need to see diversity. Everyone needs to see diversity, diverse faces, different skin tones, because this is the world we're in, Yes, you know? So to us, we notice it more because we, we don't see ourselves, but everyone needs to see this. So I'm so glad you pointed that out. Now, I know it's no easy feat, like leaving your job, that security, that security factor is huge. It's nice to have that paycheck. Um, Talk to me about having a seasonal business, something that's so entrenched around one time of one particular time of the year. How do you make sure that the business is viable throughout the year when it's so seasonally focused? So when we first launched, it was typically, it was, like you said, it was all seasonal and you're having to re-engage, reconnect with customers mid-October, like, okay, hi, we're back. I haven't emailed you. I haven't talked to you in, you know, so many months, but, right. but hey, hey, I'm competing with Old Navy in your inbox because they email you every five minutes. And <laughs> I just want to check in. So that was kind of a hard thing for us because we were seasonal. Um, so we tried to find out ways we could engage with our customers year round through Black History Month or uh, Mother's Day and featuring moms. And so finding other creative ways to stay engaged with our customers. And then really at the time, because I was working, I wanted to work on other products, but I just didn't have the time. It was like, I can manage the bandwidth here, but I couldn't fully commit to it because I was working. And that is what really made me decide to work on it full time. Um, But it's hard. It's definitely hard. Seasonal businesses are very difficult because you can only engage them for so many months out of the year. So you need other products and other assortments to keep them engaged. Have you thought about expanding beyond like the holiday? I mean, people wrap presents all year long, though. Yes, we are. We are working on products outside of Christmas. You won't see like you won't see Clarence and like a leprechaun outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dressing up like St. Saint, Saint, Saint Patty, but right. um, we're definitely expanding to other holidays and moments in 2021. And I'm so excited yes. about it. Um, it's been a long road ahead. I've had these ideas in my head since we started the company, but now that I've you know quit my job and working on it full time, I'm fully into the innovation standpoint now. Ooh, I am looking forward to that. And Speaking of quitting your job and what you can focus on and the more the you know extra bandwidth that you have now, um, what else has changed since going from side hustle to full time? I would say the opportunities for us. Like before, I was double dutching, working full time, doing this at night and all the weekends. And now that I am a hundred percent engaged into the business, opportunities are so much more that now, like, I feel like I'm able to apply for pitch competitions or grants, or um, I can advertise and work with people and promote our products in ways and work on partnerships that I just didn't have time to do before. And since quitting in February, I have seen my husband keeps saying, I feel like you just started the business because now you're like fully focused in it. And I'm seeing the reward in that from that full focus. And it's, it's been so great to see and encouraging as we move forward. Oh, I love that. Um, as you were speaking, I, I just thought about the fact that primarily Green Top Gifts has existed, and correct me if I'm wrong, as a B2C, you know, business to customer type of business. But have you ever thought about it 
being business to business, like getting into stores and things like that. Yes, we were invited up to Target in February to their corporate headquarters in Minneapolis and got to talk to the buying team then and um, didn't make it for this year, but we're hoping to eventually find a great retail partner to get our products in the sh- on the shelves um, in some retailers. Yes. And we've been working with small independent retail stores um, to get our products in. So making those partnerships with other Black-owned businesses and just other stationary outlets and stores that are independent that want to stock our items. I'm always open to those that feel like their customers need clearance clause in the stores. We would love to get them into their retail stores. Mm-hmm. And does your sales background come in handy with that now pitching the product to different potential retail partners? Yes, that part, I feel like I've got buttoned up pretty well. So All right. <laughs> <laughs> that part seems pretty easy for us, understanding what the, the retailers need, the prices and the margins, explaining to them, you know, this is much space we'll need in the stores, asking them, you know, how many customers do they serve in a week or their their turns like, how do they advertise, what ways do they want to get an invoice, how often do they want to restock. Um, all of those things, um, I feel like are second nation because of my background in sales and CPG. And I noticed that you were featured on that. Well, Green Top Gifts was featured on Beyonce's Black Parade on her website, highlighting yes. black owned businesses. How did that come about or how did you feel? And, you know, when that came out, I was so excited. Like I am a, mem- a card carrying member of Beehive. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited to know that someone in your, you know, in her hemisphere knows about our brand. And it was so exciting. And we got it. And the way I found out that we were featured was we didn't get picked when it first started. Like we were added in a little later on. And I was looking at our Google Analytics and I was like, we're getting traffic from Beyonce.com. And so then I'm like, oh, so I'm I'm looking on Instagram, I'm looking on our website, and I'm like, they had us, they had us, they had us. And I'm so excited, I'm jumping around. And mind you, it's like bedtime in my house. So I'm bathing my six-year-old. And I'm like, mommy's on Beyonce.com. And he's like, well, mommy, can I have an apple after the bath? Like, kids don't care. They right. Have, right? Like, he didn't care anything about that at all. Oh. I was just like, okay, Eli, like, let's, let's go get you an apple. All right, buddy. Like, and I was just, I said to myself, like, kids, I text one of my girlfriends, I think, like, kids will humble you. I am on Beyonce.com <laughs> and my child could care less about it. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. I love it. Yes. That I could imagine. Like I would feel the same way. That's amazing. And only, uh, you know, a small like teaser of what's to come. I feel. Yes. We're going to speak that into existence. Yes. Oh I'm yeah. Excited. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, wait till Oprah hears about this. Listen. <laughs> yes, we've been featured in Oprah magazine. We have, we have. So Okay. But well, I mean, I can just see her just having it on her Instagram, like uh, wrapping up. I'm ready. Unwrapping. I'm ready. Me I'm ready. too. Me too. <laughs> so now, before we transition into the lightning round, I would love to know if you had a chance to start Green Top Gifts all over again, from side hustle to full-time entrepreneur, what, if anything, would you do differently? I would have probably not made the mistakes I made with fulfillment. I would have expanded into other seasons and moments faster. And I would have quit my job earlier. Ooh, quit your job earlier. Now, you know, you have to elaborate on that. Um, (laughs) Tell us why. Why do you say that part? Um, I would say because I have seen 
in the past since I mean I quit my job in February 2020 and just the opportunities and the conversations that we have had since then as I've been working on it full time I would have never had the time to do those things when I was working and so I know that the rewards and the things in the press and the boot co- boot camps and pitch competitions that we've gotten are from me being fully committed in the business That is so amazing and inspiring right now with all that's going on in 2020 to know that you were able to quit your job in 2020 and see just so many opportunities come about. Like that's the type of energy I want to hear about. So I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm so glad that that's the experience, you know, that you're having and that you can share. So thank you for that. Now we are going to transition into the lightning round. You just answered the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Number one, what is a top resource that has helped you in your business that you have to share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? It's a website many people don't know about, and it's called Google. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did Google help you? I, I found my manufacturer on Google. I learned how to do a lot of the SEO of my website on Google. I learned how to light lay flats for our product shots on Google. I Google everything, and okay. I think... Google is so helpful and people just, you know, they want the magic pill, but Google. Yeah. So you're, you're telling me you typed in manufacturer in, where do you live? Where do you live? I'm in North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. So you typed in manufacturer in North Carolina and that's right. how you found your, Listen, that's how you found it. I'm how to, fa- how to find a manufacturer, <laughs> okay. how to make wrapping paper. Like, you know, people just want to, they want to call the person that does what they want to do and go, mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me how you did it. Tell yeah. me how you did it. I'm like, a, a lot of work, a lot of Googling. Right, right. I, we can give you some hints. And, and that that was actually helpful. Yeah. So I, I don't have to start with the wrong Googles. At least I have, you know, a more defined Google search term. Okay. Yes. So number two, what's been the best business book or business podcast, talk, anything that you've consumed this year? Uh, my favorite podcast is How I Built This with Sarah Blakely. I love it so much. When I listen to it, it almost made me cry because she talks about calling her manufacturer, very similar to me, and asking them to make Spanx. And like, they were like, you want to do what? And I feel like when I called our manufacturer, I was like, oh, yeah, I want a black Santa Claus. I want to look like this. I feel like they were kind of like, oh, uh, okay. Like, and when she <laughs> said he asked her, are you going to give these away? Or are you going to sell it? And and our manufacturer was like, you, you going to sell this? And I was just like, I connected with it so much because she talked about just, you know. Yes. Oh. I remember that episode. You know, it's funny. I'm actually wearing Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. I love, I love her yeah. brand. And I love her. And. That mm-hmm. podcast, I think, was one. It just like I nodded my whole my head the whole way through it. That it's, was a good one. Oh, it's You're one of my so favorites, right. especially when she talks about how she manufactured and how she got started. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, and I would say um, "Inventing Joy" by uh, is it Joy jo- Joy Manigo. Okay. Um, and because she just talks about feeling in need and like creating products that people don't have, and um, she was just she was a mom and she did it with you know with nothing. She started so small and she has this huge business on Q, you know, sells her products on QVC. And I just love her story. So I think I connect with women on a mission, wanting something, no matter how crazy it sounds. I love it. And I love that you mentioned specific episodes. Thank you. Alrighty. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your routine? 30 minutes of absolute quiet. 
I love absolute quiet. I can ride in the car and quiet. And if I don't get it, I am very mean during the day. So I try to get it before anyone else in my house wakes up. So no one's, <laughs> so no one is talking to me, asking me for anything or touching me. Okay. <laughs> and if I get that 30 minutes, it's like my, yes. I can just be sitting or I can be folding laundry. I can be doing working out and doing yoga, but just 30 minutes of quiet you know, having a cup of coffee or just getting my thoughts together for the day, it really helps me focus and it lets me get myself ready for the day and it charges me up. And those, that's like my non-negotiable. And I don't always get it first thing in the morning, but I have to get it at some point during the day. Oh, I like that. That's an important need. And as you're speaking, I'm like, I think I need that too. And it explains a lot about, you know, good days versus okay days versus great days. So thank you for putting that into words already. Number four, this might overlap, but tell us what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in actually building out your side hustle into a full-time business? I would say the check-in. And I talk to my husband about this all the time. And that is checking in with people, not just when you want something, you know, just to, just to say, hey, checking in, how are you doing? Email, text, phone. I always love phone, but that's not always op- an option. So just check in with people and just say, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? And not just doing it when you need something. Because I, I hate when people call me and they're like, oh, can you do it? I'm like, you ain't called to say, hey, cat, dog, nothing. You can <laughs> right. call to ask for something. And I think that really helps in business for me. Like I like to call and check in my manufacturers and retailers and, um, you know, our contractors and people we work with. And I think it's really important that people understand that you just wanted to check in on them as a person and make sure that they're yes. doing well, as opposed to always calling with the ask and I need. And I think that is um, oftentimes forgotten. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Thank I think it's helped me with my that. business. Right. And the other thing people do, too, is sometimes it's just like a, hey, like, like blank waiting for you to respond before they go in with the ass. Don't do that. Yes. Just genuinely just check in. Don't be like, hey, how are you doing? Waiting to like drop a bomb. No, right. no, 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 no. Right. Genuinely check in before you need something. <laughs> and then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about stepping away from the full-time job? There's never a perfect time. There's never a right time. I double dutch for five years before I decided to quit my job. Um, but I will say the one thing that definitely made me look at it differently is I was let go from a job like right after I had my son. And it really shaped and made me realize that, you know, I'm I no one cares for me other more than me, right? And I have to manage my destiny and my career. So I think it's really important that you you can wait and go, okay, when I get this much money, when we hit this metric, we hit this KPI, this will be when I do it. Um, but I think it's all about if you have the proper things in place and you betting on yourself and the situation makes sense in both sense of the words, you know, then you can quit. Um, but there's never going to be a right time. Sometimes you just have to take that leap. So, Jacqueline, where can people connect with you and Green Top Gifts after this episode? You can find our website is greentopgifts.com. And that's G-R-E-E-N. T-O-P-G-I-F-T-S dot com. And we're also on social media on all platforms at, at Green Top Gifts. And if you really want to connect with me and then you can catch my personal, which is Snacks with Jack. And that's mostly food and kids and random arts and crafts on my personal Instagram. 
Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. All right, guys. So there you have it. It was awesome talking to Jacqueline today. You can connect with her on at Green Top Gifts, as she said, and make sure to head over to sidehustlepro.co to get all the show notes from this episode. And with that, talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.